Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Activate Podcast. My name is Jillian Pelkey, and you can find more from the Activate Preaching Podcast if you go to soundcloud.com, YouTube, or iTunes. We're going to pray, and then we're going to get right into the Word of God. Jesus, I thank you that you are that friend that sticks closer than a brother. I thank you that you are a rock that does not move. You are the same yesterday, today, and you'll be the same forever. God, I thank you that you are so good. In every situation, you are good. Every trial, you are good. Every joy, you are good. Today, God, we celebrate your goodness. We thank you for looking at us and loving us. We thank you for uh, being our rock. And Jesus, I pray that today our hearts and our eyes would be open to your word and what you have to say to us. Lord, we press on to finish the work that you've called us to do. We love you with all of our hearts, with all of our mind, with all of our very life. God, we lay it down before you and give it to you and you alone. God, we want to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we're going to take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 11. 2 Corinthians 8, 11. And that, it says, Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. What's going on in this passage of Scripture is that Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and the Corinthians had an intention of collecting an offering. And now Paul's coming to collect the offering and saying, now match your intention with your actually doing what you intended to do. And this portion of Scripture is about money, and yet it applies. The theological principle here applies to our very lives. I want to take a look at this uh, in the New King James. It says, you must also complete the doing of it. In the message version, it says, the heart regulates the hands. Don't let your good intentions grow stale. And I want to highlight the fact that at the end of this verse, it says, giving out of what you have, what you already have, giving out of what you have. Now, when we take a look at this, we have to look at things that God has asked us to do. I ask my kids to do stuff all the time. And, you know, as they were growing up, they're constantly changing and maturing. And, you know, at two years old, they can complete different tasks than they can at 12 years old. And there's been a few times as my kids have grown and with chores that I've asked them to do things that they just weren't ready to do yet. You know, um, times when I've asked them to help me fold laundry and watching my sweet little boys trying to fold a t-shirt was hilarious. And it just wasn't in their uh, capability yet. They just couldn't get the sleeves and the folds and, um, you know, a pair of pants, trying to figure out how to fold a pair of pants was taking them like five, six, seven minutes for one pair of pants. And you look at the situation, you're just not ready for this. Never mind, guys, I got the laundry. We're going to try this again in a few months. We're going to try this again when you're older. Um, Another example is a lot of times I'll have my boys cook with me in the kitchen. And as they were younger, You know, we would be making something. I'll be like, oh, hey, chop up that green pepper for me. And they go over to the pepper and they look at the pepper and they just can't figure out how to chop this thing. Where do you start? How do you take the stem off? What are these seeds? How do I do this? And as they grow older, now I can say to any, you know, to either of my kids, hey, go chop up that pepper. They take the top off. They throw away the seeds. They start dicing and, you know, chopping and they know how to do it. 
But there's times I've asked them to do things that they just literally cannot do yet. You know, and even now, if I were to ask my 12-year-old to uh, drive a car, he could not do that. Um, he also could not iron. If I, I could teach him to iron, but he cannot iron. <laughs> um, there are things that they just cannot do, but they've come further than they were before. When I think about the things that God asks us to do, he's never wrong in assessing our ability. God is never wrong in assessing our ability. So if God asks you to do something, he knows that you can complete it. He knows that you can complete it. It's not a, hey, try this. If he asks us to do something, he knows that we can complete it. We have to back up. We have to know that it's God that asked us to do something. Because therein lies many of our problems. Many of us have intentions. Every one of us has good thoughts. We see a homeless person and we want to give them money. And we see uh, wrongs done that we want to right. And there are things that we do out of our own good intentions that God never specifically asked us to do. And then there are those things that you know that you know that God has put in your heart to do. When we talk about just good intentions, we may give $100 to a homeless man and all he's going to do is go and buy beer. Did we help him? Were we listening to God? No, we certainly were not listening to God. But then there's those moments where God drops in your heart the same thing and he says, go and give that man $100 and you go and you do it and it changes everything. Maybe he's praying and said, God, if you would just see me and then you're the answer to that prayer. That's why we have to depend on the Holy Spirit. We have to know the voice of God and follow God's voice. There's a huge difference. So how do we know that God has asked us to do something? We know always it lines up with scripture. Always it lines up with what the word of God tells us. God is never going to ask you to live with someone you're not married to. God is never going to ask you to cheat on your husband or your wife. God's never going to ask you to steal something to give it to someone else. The Bible is very clear on a number of things. And so if it's anything apart from that, then your mind is deceived and you're doing something out of the will of God. So there is a simple checkpoint there. The other checkpoint is is realizing that God has all authority. All authority belongs to God. All authority belongs to God. And God talks a lot about submitting one to another. He talks about submitting to leadership. And that word just seems like a four-letter word in Christianity, but it's a God-given thing. Then when God places pastors over people, they're under shepherds. Jesus is the shepherd. The sheep know his voice and they follow him, but he places people over the church to lead and to guide them here on earth. And whether you agree or you disagree or you see things differently, the mantle of leadership that God has placed on those people, either you trust them or you don't. Either you trust them or you leave and you find a a pastor or teacher you can trust. But I'll tell you something, if you have jumped from church to church and you're on church number eight, then maybe you have a problem with submission to authority. Sometimes we begin to think that we know more than God, but God places all leaders. All authority is placed by God. God calls us to churches He says, put down your roots and be planted here. 
And, and we don't toss back and forth between I'll follow only when I feel like it, or I will go with the vision that, that's being cast only when I like it, or I like the colors of the sanctuary or the new chairs or this certain thing or that certain thing. It's not about our preferences. It's about, okay, God, I really believe that you've placed this leader in this place for this season, and I will follow them as they follow you. Leaders disappoint us all the time because they are uh, not God, and they're human, and they're fallible. But the other side of that is to follow what God has called you to do. And you look at people like David and Saul, and David followed Saul even when he was a bad leader. And Nathan, the prophet, comes to David when he had fallen into sin. And again and again, God admonishes us to have submission one to another. He admonishes us to follow. We hate following because we have eternity in our hearts. We want to be the ones in charge all the time. God is big enough to work things out. So the second way, first way is to look into the word of God as a checkpoint. The second way is to look at the leadership that God, listen to that word, God has placed over us. And if your leaders are uh, waving their hands saying, no, 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 don't land here. No, 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 unsafe, don't do it. Listen to the leaders that God has placed over you. God is big enough big enough to make the things happen that he's called you to do within the confines of the leaders that he has placed there. I know this. There's been times in my life where I've wanted to do things, where I've wanted to be things, I've wanted to lead things, and leaders have said no. I know that disappointment. God does not like division. He likes us to be in unity. But here's the deal. 100% participation happened when Aaron and the people built the golden calf. Everyone gave their golden jewelry. Everyone participated. Everyone was in unity, having a great time. But they weren't doing what God had called them to do. And conversely, how many people were surrounding the prophet Jeremiah or the prophet Isaiah as they called out the true words of God? My husband was preaching on Sunday and and he said this, and I wrote it down. Just because we find a bunch of people that agree with us doesn't mean we are right. Just because we can find a bunch of people that agree with us doesn't mean we are right. We can all find someone to agree with anything we come up with. You ask enough people, you can, you know, there are people that believe that the earth is flat, still believe that the earth is flat. You can, get any, you can rally a crowd. So we have to know, check mark, the Bible says it's good. We have to know that God has placed leaders in our lives on purpose and to listen to their leading. And if everybody in, that's in leadership in your life is saying no, then trust God that he's big enough that it really, even if your leader is dead wrong, that God's purposes will be fulfilled, that God will make a way where there seems to be no way checkpoint of the Bible. Your leadership is cheering you on saying, yes, I see that gift in you. I see how that could be working in our church or outside of our church. And the third and the most important is that you know that you know that God has spoken to you. Because here's the deal with something that God asks you to do. It's not a suggestion and it can't be done halfway. 
I know too many people who have started ministries and stopped them. Too many people who have written a chapter in a book and has stopped it. Too many people who know what the Lord has intended them to do and they only put one foot in and they don't go all the way. Or they get tired in the middle because it's no longer uh, fun and there's no longer a bunch of people cheering them on. The Lord led me to this verse yesterday. It's in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 4. Jesus is praying and he says this to God. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Jesus didn't quit. Jesus didn't quit before the cross. His purpose and his direction from God was to die a death on a cross, to be ridiculed, to be beaten, and he finished the work that God had called him to do. Could you imagine if Jesus came to earth and he said, this is too hard. The people are too mean. The squawkers are squawking too loud. How many people were against Jesus? A lot. But he still knew the course and the plan that God had for him to do. And he finished the work that God had called him to. He didn't quit when it was hard or uncomfortable. He finished what God had called him to do. God doesn't make mistakes in asking us to do things. He knows if we're able to fold the laundry or chop the pepper. He knows what we're capable of because he designed us and made us on purpose and for a purpose. So now finish the work that you started. Your doing will be equal to your wanting to do. Use what you have. When God asks, we have a choice. Choice number one, yes or no. When we say yes, we have to say yes to the whole task. Not just to getting it started when everyone's excited, but to seeing it through month after month, year after year. Ministry, working for the Lord is not always glorious and easy. But we, we press on to complete the task that God has set before us. When people don't like us, when things don't go right, we press on toward the mark that God has called us to. So our first thing is, do we say yes? Do we trust that God knows best? Do we trust that if God calls us to it, to it then he'll see us through it? That's our first crossroads that we come to. Are we going to say yes? Or are we going to say no? And the second one comes that after we say, yes, God, I will do this. Yes, God, I will obey you. The second one is we say yes, the devil automatically says no, and he will try to distract us with every bit of attention grabbing distraction that he can distract us with. And he will throw everything he can in our path to derail us. He will throw everything in our path to say what God has called you to is ridiculous. He'll try to tell us that we cannot do it. He'll try to point out our failures. He'll try to point out our our insufficiency. And what we need to do to the devil is point him to Jesus and say, I may be insufficient, but God is not. And he has called me to it and he will see me through it. We're never going to find time to do the things that God has called us to do. We need to make time. We need to be about our father's business, not thrown back and forth by the waves of the sea, not thrown back and forth by people's opinions or thoughts about us, but we need to press on to the thing that God has called us to. We need to say no to the distraction of other people and the enemy of our souls who wants us to stop the thing that God has called us to. We need to be protective of the thing that God has called us to because we know that if God has asked us to do it, then it's precious. And if it's precious, then it's going to bring life out of a dead situation. It's going to bring goodness. 
And just like Jesus, it's going to take work and it's not going to be easy. But God looked in you and he said, I have purposed in you for this purpose. Will you do it? And you said, yes. And now when the devil gives us a shakedown and he tries to point out our flaws and he tries to tell us how ridiculous or too hard or too impossible the task is, we have another crossroads. Do we give in to the yapping squawking of the enemy? Or do we continue to say yes to God? So we say yes to God, and then we have to say no to the devil. And then thirdly, we have to press on. We have to press on. People are going to drop off. You're not always going to have a big crowd following you. People are just going to drop off the map, but you press on to what God has called you to do. Because he called you. He didn't call all the other people. We look in the story or the account in the Old Testament where Moses is up on the mountain. Moses is the leader of the people with a direction from God that's specific and intentional. And he's meeting with God face to face, getting the Ten Commandments. Meanwhile, Aaron, the priest, the leader, is down with the people. Listen to this. Aaron has 100% participation. Aaron has all the people in unity going against God. 100% participation does not mean that it's a godly thing. It could be you standing by yourself, and it could be the most godly place you can be, where you can have 100% participation, people cheering you on, laughing and dancing and all together, and be out of the will of God. Our ideas have to be vetted because if you begin something, make sure you complete it. And if you're going to complete it, you're going to need the Lord's leading. It's got to be a God thing. Otherwise, you're going to be spending 45 minutes trying to, sh- to fold a, a thing of laundry. You're going to be spending uh, way too much time trying to chop a pepper. You're just not able to. It's just not what you were called to do. And you're going to make more of a mess and you're going to cut your finger and you're going to cut other people and it's going to hurt the body of Christ. Only do what God has asked you to do. Don't make up things. Don't make up things. Giving money to homeless people might hurt them more than it helps them. But conversely, it may help them more than anything else. And that's why we need to know the spirit of God. We need to check everything out through the Bible. We need to be under the leaders that God has placed in authority over us. And we need to know that we know that God has spoken to us. We have to press on to the very end. There are weeks that I don't want to do this podcast. There are weeks where I'm tired or I am busy or it'd be easier just not to, but I know that this is what God has called me to for this season. I know that there are about 14 more sermons that I need to preach. And after that, I'll find out what God wants me to do next. Maybe it's to continue, maybe it's not. But I'm going to press on to the very end of what God has called me to do. I'm not going to stop because of situations or circumstances. I'm going to press on to what God has called me to do. 2 Corinthians 8, 11. Now finish the work. Finish the work. The only way we can finish it is because we know that God has called us to it and he's going to see us through it. Finish the work. We are full of good intentions. We are full of talk, 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 talk. Oh, I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that, but I never got to it. I wanted to help this person. 
There's a big difference between saying, I wanted to do that and God told me to do it. God instructed me. God showed me. God led me. Because if God asks you to do it, then you have the capability inside of you to do it and to finish it. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. According to your means, God has placed it inside of you. Jesus Christ had the means to go to the cross. And God knew that when he was born in a manger. God has asked you to do certain things and he has placed inside of you the means to do it. Don't quit. Don't get weary in well-doing. Do the thing that God has asked you to do. But make sure it's what God has asked you to do. Otherwise, we're hurting the body of Christ. Otherwise, we're hurting unbelievers. Otherwise, we're giving the church a black eye. Checkpoint yourself. God, I need to know that this is you. And if, it's, if I know that it's you, then I'll move forward. If it lines up with the word of God, if it lines up with what the leaders in my life are saying, we know that leaders are placed over us on purpose. It was God's design. We don't like it sometimes. We want quick answers. We're Americans who like things to happen quickly, who don't even like to sit through commercials. We want things quickly. But God has a design and a purpose and a timing that may take years. But when the right time comes, God will release you and it'll be more mighty than you could have ever imagined. I didn't say we'll be more popular. I said it'll be more mighty because you could have a million people following you and not be doing what God asked you to do. Or you could have no one following you and still you're marching on to the thing that God has called you to do. We need God's clear direction. His clear direction will help us to complete the work that he set before us to do. Paul asked the Corinthians, you wanted to give an offering, now complete it and do it. Our lives are an offering to God. He will direct us if we ask there are seasons of life that are restful. There are seasons of life where we're not doing uh, much externally, but that means that God's preparing us for something to do. We all have mission. You have mission in your life. You have mission. Talk to God. Read the word. Talk to the leaders in your life and find out the mission that God has for your life. For this season, for this time, for 2018, for the people in your sphere of influence. So now finish the work. So now finish the work you started. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you speak so clearly to us. God, I thank you for your word that doesn't come back void. I thank you for Jesus and his, his example of finishing the work that you gave him to do. And God, that sits so heavy in my heart. God, there's things I don't want to do and things I don't want to say and places I don't want to go. But God, my life is an offering to you. So I will say what you tell me to say. I will go where you tell me to go. And I will walk this road, even if it's hard. Even if people come up against me, God, I will follow you. I know the plans you have for me are good. I know what you have called me to. So God, I will finish the work that you've given me to do. God, I pray over every single person listening that our hearts would be open to what you have for us, that we will listen to you, that God, we will read our word and we will make sure that the things that we come up with as ideas, that they really are God ideas and not just good intentions. God, I pray that we would uh, vet it out with people who are our spiritual leaders. God, we thank you for the authority that you've placed in our lives. 
God, I pray that we would know that we know the work that you have for us. And God, I pray that we wouldn't just start it and quit when it gets hard. That we wouldn't just do the pretty side of things, but we would do the hard work that you've called us to do. Because God, we know that in the end, it brings life. Jesus, thank you that we can trust you completely. We stand on a rock that does not move. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.